Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> My life seems to be one weird, creepy, and unexplained encounter after the next. It seems as though I am attracted to it for some reason or another. However, this situation in particular unsettles me the most and always seems to linger in the back of my mind. I used to live in an area that had a park within walking distance. I often walked there to enjoy just being outside. The park consists of a large parking area, a restored 1800s home turned museum, multiple statues, walking trails, and another old home just outside of the park. This home is enclosed behind a rock fence with a separate driveway, a smaller carriage house, and the entire property is filled with lush gardens. Every week when I took my walk to this park, I would go to the rock fence and enjoy looking at the gardens and the old house. It always looked so warm and homey, and the gardens were always so beautiful and well-maintained. Oftentimes, I would see an elderly woman working in the flower beds, and she usually smiled and waved. So I would smile and wave back. One day, I even took the time to tell her how much I enjoyed seeing her beautiful flowers and plants. She smiled, and she told me that I was welcome any time to come enjoy the view, and that's what she planted them for. This went on for several years, until I moved away. My in-laws and partner wanted me to take them to the area that I used to live in and show them around. Of course, I wanted to show them this beautiful home in the gardens beside the park, so we made our way there one summer day, fully expecting to see the flowers in full bloom and hoping to see the woman's smiling, familiar face. We park, and I quickly lead them to the fence. What I saw brought tears to my eyes. The gardens were overgrown. The house looked like it had been vacant for years, decades even. It was clear she no longer lived there, which immediately made my mind believe that she had passed. She was elderly after all, and it had been nearly five years since I had last been to the park. My partner and I were in the market to buy a new house, and so we had the idea to look up the property and purchase it if possible. So when we returned home and began researching, what we discovered still gives me chills even typing this. The house, it had been empty since sometime in the early 90s. The park has owned it since 2001 but they don't upkeep the property or maintain it in any way. So there is no way I was seeing some type of city worker or anything. With further research, I found a photo of the original owners. The woman I was seeing for so many years was her. However, she passed away 
1944, well before I was even born. I still can't wrap my head around what I saw for so many years. Not only did I see Ethel, but I saw her beloved home, just as it had been when she was alive and well, and pouring her heart into it. Yet, that's not possible. bit of context. This happened during the 1850s in India. This story has been passed down in my family for generations. Like most Indians under British colonial rule, my great-great-great-grandfather on my mother's side was a farmer. He produced cotton and had quite a bit of land. Usually back then, electric fences were not a thing, so one person had to be always at the farm to protect it from wild animals. It was usually done by members of the family. So this one night, my grandpa was leaving home to go to the farms at night to keep watch of wild animals. Back then, no mode of transportation was widely available, at least not at midnight, so he was riding a bull cart, which is kind of like a horse carriage but with bulls and no roof. That night, it was a full moon. Everything was dead silent and after traveling for some time, he saw something weird on the side of the rough off-road trail. It looked like a small, miniature well. My grandpa was shocked, as he had spent countless hours of his life trailing the rough track, and he had never seen anything like that ever near there. It was made of black bricks, had very little diameter, and a very small height of about a foot or so. He was just about to come down from his cart, but then he heard something. It said something like, No, don't come down. Hurry. Leave from here. He was scared, so he quickly made the bulls run as fast as possible. He just wanted to get home, but he was near the farm, and he decided to go to the farm instead of back to the village. The bulls were running as fast as they could, and their hooves created noises similar to the ones that horse hooves make when they gallop quickly. Some time passed, and he was just a few minutes away from the farm. Then he heard something along with the noise the hooves were making. There was some kind of burning sound, like that of a wooden stove. He did not want to look behind him, and was praying continuously. When he reached the farm, he saw a woman wearing a black garment. She had a wooden stove near her feet, in which she was making Indian bread, but there was no wood. Instead, her feet were under the burning stove, and she didn't seem to be feeling any pain. She then realized that my grandpa was looking. She faced him and said, Why are you stopping? Get me out of here. Please, help me. He jumped from the cart and quickly entered the mud hut and locked the door and continued to pray. He prayed for several hours and did not realize that it was now morning. The workers were hitting on the gate of the hut. He was reluctant, but eventually opened it. The bulls were now dead, and there was a dark black burning mark on the cart. They returned home that day and told everyone what had happened. I know some of you might be thinking that 
he was high on booze or something, but that is highly unlikely. Our community and faith forbid alcohol or any addictive substance. We did not even drink tea and continue to follow that tradition. My grandpa died one week later. Still to this day, nothing grows on the farm anymore, despite the effort and technology. I was studying in college back then when this happened. I had a friend, and for the sake of this story, I'll call him Jim. Jim was an introvert and lived in his parents' house a few miles away from our campus. His mom traveled a lot and used to come home once a month. We all knew that Jim had a difficult childhood because of his father. His father was an alcoholic who died from liver failure when Jim was just in high school. I came to know about this from my other friends, so Jim and I never really talked about it. Actually, he never talked about his father or childhood, until one time. See, having the house to himself, we often chilled at his place. We used to get drunk there and do all kinds of stupid things. We were in college, so everyone wanted to have a good time. I had a feeling that even though Jim took part in socializing, His mind always wandered off, like he was thinking something. The more time I spent at his place, the more I started to notice a few odd things about it. Other people didn't care that much, so no one really observed these things like I did. But I've always been an overly caring friend in the group. Even though there were pictures of Jim and his mom all around the house, there wasn't a single photograph of his father. I assumed it was because his parents separated a year before his father died, so maybe his mom decided not to keep any of his pictures around. One evening, I was drinking in my living room. I wasn't feeling well, so I decided to get some sleep. There were three bedrooms in the house, two downstairs and one upstairs. I wanted to sleep in the quiet environment of the upstairs room. So I walked upstairs to sleep in the master bedroom, which used to be where Jim's parents slept. As I was dozing off, I heard the bedroom door slide open, followed by footsteps walking into the room. Thinking one of my friends had entered, without opening my eyes, I said, Please, let me sleep here. I'm not feeling well. Whoever entered the room did not reply to me. I kept lying on the bed, eyes still closed. Then all of a sudden, I felt someone breathing on me, like someone was leaning on my face and breathing on it. I immediately opened my eyes out of discomfort and found myself completely alone in that bedroom. The door was even closed, like it hadn't been opened since I came in. Feeling freaked out and scared, I rushed downstairs and found all of my friends partying like they do. It didn't seem like any of them came upstairs and left silently. I didn't say anything to anyone, thinking it was my tired mind playing tricks on me. Since that day, I've felt that something just isn't right at Jim's house. 
Two weeks later, I finally found out why. It was a Friday night we had all partied really hard and everyone wanted to sleep at around two in the morning. People just passed out wherever they could. I was sleeping in a bedroom downstairs. I felt the urge to pee, so I got up and saw that it was 4.20 in the morning. Now, I literally saw the clock, which is why I still remember the exact time. I was coming from the bathroom when I heard someone talking in a very low voice. I realized it was coming from upstairs. I followed the voice and saw Jim sitting on the balcony alone. He had something in his hand. He was constantly looking at it and talking to himself. Feeling pretty disturbed with his weird behavior, I went up to him and asked, Why are you up so late? What are you doing here? He looked at me. His eyes were completely intoxicated, and it made him look so creepy. He then smiled and raised his hand and asked, Do you know what this is? I noticed he was holding a passport-sized photograph in his hand. I said no, to which he replied, This is the only picture of my father in this house. I carry it in my wallet. Realizing that he was missing his father, I felt bad for him. I consoled him, saying it's perfectly understandable that he misses his father. What he said in return almost made me shit my pants. He said he wasn't missing him. Rather, he was talking to him literally talking to his dead father's picture at four in the morning. Now, if you're thinking that this is disturbing, let me tell you that wasn't the disturbing part. The actual disturbing part is that Jim said, Sometimes my father talks back as well. He even said his father lives in the house and walks around while everyone is sleeping. That was the last night I spent the night at Jim's house. I've since graduated from college, and even though I wanted to help him, he never talked about his father again after that night. Surprisingly, some of my friends later said that they felt uneasy at his house as well, but never talked about it. Some said that the house was excessively cold at times. Some say that they felt like they were being watched by a third person, even though there wasn't one. Or was there? I never told anyone about that night of peekaboo in Jim's bedroom. But my friend is still the same. The house is still there. And now everyone has gone on with their lives and he just stays there, in the house, all alone. I tried talking him into moving to another place, but he got very upset and terminated all contact with me. I just hope he's doing fine, and that whatever lives inside the house with him doesn't cause him any harm. What do you think? Is it really his father or someone else pretending to be? I've had a few encounters throughout my life, but this one is by far the scariest and has stuck with me the longest. At the time, I was in college. We were on a break for a week 
and I chose to travel to a nearby city to visit my aunt and uncle. The trip was going extremely well, and I was having a great time, minus the fact that their dog would usually wake everyone up, howling and growling at nothing at 4 or 5 in the morning, every single night, except for the night I had my visitor. Coincidence or not, I thought it was odd that this was the one night he didn't howl and bark, as if whatever he'd been seeing had slipped by unnoticed this time. I was having a really tough time sleeping that night, and had a lot on my mind with the stresses of exams and work. I finally fell asleep around 4am, with my hands behind my head propping me up. I don't know how long I was asleep, but it couldn't have been very long. What woke me up was the violent shaking of my bed, back and forth. I opened my eyes, and in the dark I could see the outline of a woman at the end of my bed. My initial thought was that it was my aunt trying to wake me up, but that didn't seem right because it was still dark, my door was closed, and shaking the bed is probably the weirdest way to wake someone up. Once this realization kicked in, I started taking a closer look at whoever or whatever was at the end of my bed. It was a woman. She had long, dark hair. Her form was kind of staticky, kind of like when old TVs get all fuzzy. She seemed to glitch around as she moved. I went to go move at this point. I wasn't about to stay in the room with this completely unwelcome visitor. Then I realized my hands weren't moving from behind my head, no matter how hard I pulled. It seemed all I could do was breathe and stare at this thing which was now realizing I was awake. It started to slowly move around the bed to my side. As it got closer, I could see it stretching out its hands, which at closer look were bony and pale. There was almost nothing to them. I could feel them grab at my arms and move up to my shoulders and then to my neck. To my horror, as I shut my eyes to avoid the thing's face, I could feel it getting harder to breathe. At this point, I pulled and pulled on my arms. Finally, when I thought there was nothing left for me to do but give up, my arms broke free and I opened my eyes to a pitch black room with no woman in sight. Everything was as it had been, minus my door, which was slightly cracked open. Whether this was a hallucination caused by sleep deprivation and stress, or a nighttime visit from a sleep paralysis demon, I hope it never shows itself to me again. My story takes place in 2018, when my friends and I had just turned 21. Whenever we would go out to bars, I would be the designated driver, since I don't drink. I have an irrational fear of losing control of myself, plus I don't need any liquid encouragement to dance and have a good time. We had a fun night up until this point. I sung Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood on the karaoke stage, and my friend, Jenny, managed to steal ten people's lighters. I dropped off the first two of my friends at their respective houses, without any hitch, and it wasn't until I turned on my last friend Sarah's gravel road that things got weird. 
as I slowly crept forward on the bumpy back road, which seemed to go forever, with nothing but fields and woods on either side, Sarah pointed out a little kid playing in the road. I glanced at my clock radio. It was well past midnight. This kid should be in bed somewhere, not in the middle of the road. I'm a social worker by profession, so I was compelled to pull over and turn off the car to check on the boy. I noticed that he had not even looked at the car once, even though he had bright headlights shining right on him. He appeared to be approximately four years old, give or take. He had his head bent down, with his shaggy blonde hair covering his face, and he was sitting cross-legged, stacking rocks and the gravel on top of one another. Something about the boy seemed off, but I couldn't quite place what it was. I ignored that feeling, however, because I was a mandated reporter. I couldn't just leave the kid in the middle of nowhere. I got out of the car to approach the boy slowly so that I wouldn't scare him. As I was approaching, I said, My name is Miss Joe. I help kids who are in need. Are you lost? Where's your house? He had no reaction to me and continued to stack the gravel. The closer I get to him, I notice that he looks sickly pale. His lips look blue. He must be freezing, I thought. What's your name? I ask as I step closer. Again, his attention was more focused on the gravel. As I approach, I crouch down to his level so that I'm less intimidating to talk to. Are you hurt? I ask desperately for him to engage with me. This time when I spoke to him, his little hands stopped playing with the gravel. I can help you find your house, but you have to talk to me so that I know where it is, I say. The boy doesn't say anything and just looks at the ground in front of him. I motion for Sarah to get out of the car and help me. Are there any houses nearby? I ask her. My neighbors, but they don't have kids, she replies standing next to the car, refusing to approach. I'm going to have to report this to 241 Kids, then. I move to get my phone from the car when the boy looks up at me. I'll never forget this child's eyes. They were all black. No pupils, nothing. Just a black void. His skin looked like white clay spread over bone. He did not look human. We usually have one of three natural reactions when it comes to immediate danger. Fight, flight, or freeze. I am in the unfortunate category of freezing. I watched, too stunned to move as the boy screeched like some kind of pterodactyl right in my face. He backed away from me on all fours and ran into the field like some kind of dog until he was out of sight. I stood frozen in place until Sarah started jerking on my arms, screaming for me to get into the car. Sarah and I rode in the car in silence until I pulled up to her house. That night I stayed at her place, because I did not want to drive back there at night. I still don't know what that childlike thing was. I've read urban legends about the black-eyed children before, but he didn't act like they describe. 
the black-eyed children are said to come up to your car or house and beg to come inside. The creature I encountered seemed not to want my help. To this day, I get chills thinking about his pitch-black eyes and that inhuman screech that he let out. It was the single most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. And I hope it will be my last. I am not the greatest of writers, but I hope this story is as creepy to you as it was for me. I have always believed in the paranormal ever since I was little. These experiences while living with my aunt solidified my beliefs, and thankfully I wasn't alone. I moved into my aunt's house in August of 2020 to experience a little more independence. She has a furnished basement that was basically an apartment with no kitchen, but it worked. My best friend and I decided to move in together after years of wanting to do so. Living with her was the best, and I cannot wait to do it again. I can't remember when the weird stuff started happening, but this is not the first time I have lived with my aunt. I was there off and on for years, and lived there with my father my freshman year of high school, until he could find his own place. The basement was for my grandparents to stay in when they came to her house for the summer. After my grandmother died, my grandfather lived there full-time, until he had to move upstairs for medical reasons above the basement. I was the first one to move into the basement last year. My best friend has a full-time job, so she moved in a few days later. Ever since my grandmother passed away, the basement seemed cold and dark and had a strange energy to it. The first night alone was weird, and I didn't sleep at all. I explained it away as being in a new place, and that usually happens to me in a new environment. Like I said earlier, I don't know when these things started happening. All I can remember is them just happening gradually. I would see things out of the corner of my eye, but I would explain it away as my eyes playing tricks on me. I would also feel stuff around me, but I didn't pay much attention to it either. At this point, I had not told my best friend, because I thought I was imagining everything. I think it started getting crazier when my best friend and I started practicing witchcraft and diving deeper into our spiritual journey. I know paranormal experiences can be heightened at this time, so this is my only explanation to what follows. At this point, I had not told my best friend because I thought I was imagining everything. I think it started getting crazier when my best friend and I started practicing witchcraft and diving deeper into our spiritual journey. I know paranormal experiences can be heightened at this time, so this is my only explanation to what follows. I frequently sat on the love seat, and I started seeing this shadow figure standing at the end of the hallway. I thought I was seeing things again, but that's when I started to get kind of freaked out. It was the figure of a man standing at the end of the hall, like he was staring at me and would walk into my room. Like I said, I wasn't telling my best friend this information, but little did I know, she was having experiences of her own. We finally talked about these happenings after a terrifying mutual encounter. 
We were sitting on her bed, watching a music video and discussing it. In the corner of her room, a small ball of light appeared and dropped to the ground. I assumed it was my eyes again, but I looked at my best friend, and she had a look of horror across her face. We both then knew we were experiencing the same stuff. She told us she was also seeing a man at the end of the hallway, walking into my room. This shook me to my core. Another experience we mutually shared happened in my room. My room was really long and spacious. We were at my dresser, and my bed is at the other end of my room. I was showing her a new vinyl I had purchased when a woman's voice started speaking in the direction of where my bed was. There was no one on my bed. My TV wasn't on, neither was my laptop. We looked at each other and bolted out of my room. We had insane chills and goosebumps, truly one of the scariest moments of my life. The last experience I can remember before we moved out was my best friend's experience that she had with my other friend. I was out of town, so no one but my friends were in our basement apartment. My best friend got out of the shower and opened the bathroom door and saw someone walk into my room. She asked our friend if she had gone into my room, but she had been sitting in my best friend's room the whole time. They were confused, so they investigated. They walked into my room, only to discover my bedroom door was closed, so no one would have gone in there without opening and closing the door, which my best friend would have seen. They opened my door, but no one was in my room. My best friend heard people walking outside of her room constantly. She left her window open frequently, but stopped because she would hear footsteps directly outside of her window, crunching on the leaves. We heard whistling a lot outside, and when I house it, I can still sometimes hear whistling outside in the wooded areas. I barely go into the basement anymore after moving out. recently started dating this new guy, Ed, who I would eventually marry. At this time, I had never met any of his friends beside a few here and there, so we decided to stay at his parents' house for a weekend, where he would actually introduce me to the friends. His parents' place was a very large and very old home. There had been things that he would mention, but he never directly told me that it was haunted. I also grew up in an old house, and I used to hear creaks and hisses and whatnot. The first night there, his friends show up, and due to recent events, they all start arguing in the kitchen, so I head upstairs to avoid the yelling. While upstairs in the bedroom, I close the door and sit and listen. While sitting up there, I hear the front door open and shut. It's finally quiet, so I yell out. Hey, is anyone inside? At first, I didn't hear a response, so I got up and headed across the room to open the door. At this time, I hear someone in some kind of work boots coming down the hall towards the door. I ask if it's Ed to ensure my privacy. Ed doesn't respond, 
so I ask again and reach for the doorknob. As I try to turn the doorknob, it won't open. I hear it click, so I know that I turned it all the way. I tell him this isn't funny. I pull harder and it's like someone on the other side is just holding it shut. I place my foot on the side of the doorframe and yank as hard as I can. But it still won't budge. At this point I'm extremely mad and tell Ed that I don't find this funny and a slew of explicit language rolls off my tongue. I sit down on the bed and take a few deep breaths, at which point the door just creaks open like it was never even stuck. I took off downstairs, livid, to tell Ed off. When I got there, there was no one in the house. I ran to see all of the people from inside the house were now 100 yards away, still arguing as before. When I mentioned it later, Ed advised me that the house had some odd tendencies. I still remember how hard it was to get out of that room. I'll never forget the chills that ran down my spine when I realized I was alone in the house. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard Ghost House or Alternative Timeline by Lacey A Creepy Story from India by Yash Garavi Peekaboo by Ari Tree Nighttime Visitor by Brit Possible Encounter with Black-Eyed Children by Joe Lynn My Aunt's House is Haunted by Rhiannon And finally... New Boyfriend's House by Amy. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Odd Trails is not associated with any message boards online. If you have any stories you'd like heard on the show, submit them to stories at oddtrails.com. You can also find us on Instagram at oddtrailspodcast. Okay, so I guess we're obligated to talk about the incident with the Ouija board this week? Yeah, we are. Uh, We managed to get our hands on one, or rather you somehow, for some reason, already had one in your closet. (laughs) Explain that to me. I've had it since I was a kid. Buddy. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to have it. I got it from a friend because I grew up in a Christian family home and I, nothing ever happened when I was a kid and nothing really happened the night that we used it until yeah, until the following morning right. um, it's it's not paranormal per se but the planchet the little thing that you hold the equivalent of like a mouse cursor you yeah. uh, we both uh, somehow cannot find that I'm positive we put it back in the box we didn't leave the dining room table nobody else was with us Andrew's wife was asleep uh, Chip has an allergic reaction to Ouija board planchets. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> an allergic reaction to everything. Uh, yeah, we definitely put it in the box. We weren't drinking or anything. We put it in the box. We went to bed right after. Nothing weird happened. So we get up early the next morning. I'm cleaning up from the, the night of debauchery. And the lid is off of the Ouija board box. We definitely put it on. And we definitely put the planchet in there, but the planchet is missing and the lid was off. We got up before my wife. Nobody has been in my house. There's no explanation for this. It's also important to note that 
Andrew and I, we're both not necessarily skeptics or full blown. I think we definitely lean more towards believers than skeptics for sure. That that enough can be said. Yeah, definitely. However, um, I think, at least for me personally, something like the Ouija board in and of itself, I don't believe is haunted or taken over by spirits. Maybe they can attach themselves to inanimate objects of some sort, but... I am mostly of the opinion that those are more of like a tool, right. a, a vessel. It, it, it all determines on who is using it, how they're operating it, what spiritual frequency they're tapped into at the time. Um, not everybody can do it, and not everybody should be doing it, but I think as a tool, like with anything else, um, it's how you use it. Yeah, and even our favorite radio host and our main inspiration for wanting to do this podcast the beloved art bell rest in peace he had an experience with the ouija board that was so uh visceral so frightening that he wouldn't even talk about it that's right that's right people would call in and ask about it or reference it and at the very most he would acknowledge that he has an experience with the ouija board but he wouldn't go into detail and that was it we never got to hear that story. Yeah, we never will until somebody comes forward. Anybody that was involved, if you were involved in the Ouija board incident with uh, Art Bell, please write into us at stories at oddtrails.com. Or call us toll free at 1 800 Odd Trails. Let's see who does that. Yeah, we should get that number. Yeah. We should have a call. T R A I L S. Trails itself. <laughs> this is six sevenths of a phone number. <laughs> so. To all of you Ouija board enthusiasts out there, just be careful. I don't know what we might have invited into my house. And if there is something attached to your home, Andrew, I hope it stays here. Um, I want to be a guest, but if you guys want to have a little uh, kumbaya together of more long-term arrangement, that's on you. Okay, fair enough. We'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Bye-bye. Stay safe.